Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're coming to you from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios in New York. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with Rocket Mortgage. They can help you to Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. Two outs now in the ninth as the batter fouls out behind the plate after a hit by Kane. Kane's on first, so they still are alive. Sunday, the NFL and CBS features a full slate of games, including Brady and the Pats on the road against Washington in D.C. And the Ravens and Steelers renewing their uh, AFC North rivalry at Heinz Field. Check your local listings for the game in your area. It all begins with JB and the guys on the NFL today at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on CBS. The player of the week is brought to you by Granger. Let's take a look at the one who got it done this week. It's Browns running back Nick Chubb. What a game. 20 carries, 165 yards, three touchdowns. In Baltimore to lead Cleveland to a huge 40-25 to win over the Ravens and get them back to 500 and tied for first in the AFC North. Nick Chubb, the player of the week, brought to you by Granger. Granger's got your back when it comes to the safety and industrial supplies to keep your facility running. Get what you need when you need it at Granger.com. Our toll-free line, 855-212-4CBS, brought to you by GEICO. Great news, you can save a bunch of money. Switch to GEICO, go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Good to have Greg Bell, our buddy that covers the Seahawks from the Tacoma News trip, back on the bench. There's a drive to deep center at the track. Game over. Cover! Oh, corn dog. Oh, nice little steal a game in the bottom of the eighth with an error by the right fielder. Oh, I love betting when I win, which is usually. Uh, yeah, that would have been Yelich's uh, routine grounder, and they would have tied the game at best and held the other runner on. But uh, Grisham, is that who who did it, Grisham? Grisham, the right fielder, he let the ball go under his glove, and that was it. All three runs scored, and they won the game 4-3, party time in D.C. Uh, sorry about that, Greg. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Scott. I, I was watching with the end of you. That was a crazy switch at the bottom of the eighth. Right. <laughs> Game was about over for Washington. I mean, they got real lucky, if you ask me. Uh, I thought, you know, they jumped on Scherzer, and then they blew it. Uh, the right fielder, no, there's just no getting around it. He he blew it. That was a routine single. He should have uh, got the ball, threw it in, and they would have dealt with what they had on the sack still. But instead, he, he butchers it, and they win the game. So I thought the interesting thing about your uh, piece I was reading uh, was about how uh, the the players loathe these Thursday night games, and Clowney was talking about it and their history when Richard Sherman tore his Achilles, uh, Chancellor Cam Chancellor injured his neck. Uh, you know, Baldwin retires after three surgeries since last season, and they all just loathe Thursday night games. I thought that was a great part of your article. Uh, how are they dealing with it? Well, Scott, thanks for the kudos. They, it's a necessary evil now. They know it's here to stay. The money is so great. The TV contracts are so rich that the league's not going back on it. What's interesting, it was it was never collectively bargained. Back when the 2011, when the current CBA went into effect, I think it was still they did the eight weeks, the final eight weeks of the season with Thursday night games, but not every team in the league had to play a Thursday night game. 
And that happened in the middle of the CBA. So a lot of players, like Richard Sherman types, was on the executive council of the NFLPA saying, well, wait a minute, you guys just stuck this in back door without it being collectively bargained. But there's just so much money now that there's no going back on it. How the Seahawks are dealing with it, Scott, they were watching the film of the Rams on the flight home from Arizona and the win on Sunday. They were actually watching the end of the Rams game in their locker room. So right. we're still in full pads watching that. And then Russell Wilson said he's guzzling water, swimming, hyperbaric chamber, massages. Guys are talking about doing a lot of massages and things that they, they're they not ready. They said the Thursday, in a normal week, Thursday's when their bodies are ready to play. So some guys said even Friday. So they're not in full condition to play until Thursday anyway, but they'll play Thursday night. And Clowney's interesting point was, hey, I'm going to use it to my advantage. I'm relatively fresh. I was a holdout in Houston for all those months. Hadn't played or practiced at all in nine months. I'm going to put use it to my advantage and be physical and try to pound on the offensive line for the Rams and, and work the short turnaround against them. So talk about Russell Wilson, uh, you know, Super Bowl winner. He talked about how he deals with it, a lot of hydration and swimming and treatment. Yeah, he swims. He did 25 laps this morning. He said swimming's become a big thing in his recovery on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays after games. Since 2013, his second season in the league, uh, he just sleeps in a hyperbaric chamber that he has in his place here in Seattle. I uh, said two or three hours, two or three times a week. Said so doesn't sleep a lot. He interestingly, he's told us his sleep patterns in the past is to get minimal sleep, five hours or so a night during the week, and getting up early and going to the facility and film and all that. And then he has a physical trainer and a nutritionist in his house full time uh, around the facility. The PT is in the facility as well. Uh, and uh, then he banks his sleep on Friday night into Saturday, sleeps 12 hours or more <laughs> the day before the game. Really? Uh, it's, a, it's a routine that he says well, he's, he's perfected and works for him. Uh, you can't argue with the results. Huh? He's a $140 million quarterback with a Super Bowl ring and six Pro Bowls. He's, By the way, Pete Carroll says, Scott, he's off to the best start. He's playing the best he's ever seen him play mastering the offense, changing to the right plays, accuracy in throwing. He's still making crazy throws when guys are laying all over him in clutch situations. Now, the only three wins the Seahawks have are against, well, with three winless teams until Pittsburgh won last night. They've beaten Cincinnati by a point, Pittsburgh by two without Roethlisberger for half the game, and then this really starting over Cardinals team on Sunday. So this by far their biggest test. Uh, against the Rams, they were going to be pretty angry and a little different, I think, than they were in, against Tampa Bay. Yeah, but I don't know, Greg. Greg Bell with us, uh, Tacoma News Trip, great writer, covers the Seahawks. I got to tell you, uh, it really is, you, you know, the Rams are allegedly this better team and allegedly one of the best teams and allegedly their coach is smarter than all of us and allegedly, but I mean, uh, how about allegedly they puked against Tampa Bay and then my my real thought is, uh, you know, the Seahawks, it's unbelievable, but in, in primetime games since Carroll's been a coach, they're 82% wins. Uh, yeah. They've outscored opponents double, literally double what they've uh, given up. They're 8-1 and one on Thursday nights, 17-2 and two at home in primetime games since they got him. That is insanity, those numbers. It's true, and Carroll says, yeah, we have a system for doing it. He and the players say it's because he doesn't treat games any differently he calls everything a championship opportunity every week uh he doesn't make any bigger deal out of the prime time than any other games i will tell you the home crowd uh, 
They have a few more pops in them by the time a 5.30 kickoff starts rather than a 1 o'clock on a primetime game, and that certainly helps the noise in that stadium. The Rams, to me, I, Scott, I think that they have been – we'll see if they've been preserving Todd Gurley, but they certainly haven't been using him as they have in the past. He had five runs against the Buccaneers. I know that Rams fell behind 21 nothing early, and they threw it 68 times. Mm-hmm. But in general, he's just not getting the ball like he was early and mid last season. He's got the arthritic knee. It seems from afar that, that Sean McVay is preserving Gurley to try to get through the entire season. And I think this would be a game you don't preserve him. That you, you turn him loose and see what he can give you full throttle because the Seahawks have not had an answer for Gurley the last couple of years. The Rams have won three in a row in this series, six of the last eight. There are Seahawks still stinging from a 42-7 loss the Rams put on him here in 2017 that really signaled the end of the Seahawks' reign in the NFC West. This team has not been able to defend the Rams' offense. And we'll see if Todd Gurley is the Todd Gurley that they've, has run rough just all over the Seahawks the last four or five meetings or whether he's still the preserved, limited Todd Gurley. If he's the preserved, limited one, the Seahawks have a much better chance to win than they have in the past. Uh, Greg Bell with us. I, I got to tell you about Gurley. I, now, I'm not willing to um, write him off or anything, but I will say this. It looks to me like they got, they're going to get fleeced on that deal. That guy. They gave him a lot of money, didn't they? I mean, they gave him a ton of money, and he just he just does nothing anymore. They knew, of course, what they were getting into when they drafted him, right? He was at the reconstructive surgery at Georgia. Right. He missed most of his time, and that's why he slid. And a lot of people had him off their draft boards because of it. And he has this three, four huge years, and now they're talking about an arthritis in his knee. Uh, it, it just last year they wouldn't answer why they weren't giving them the ball at the end of the year in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl, and now we know why. And it just seems to me like they're trying to maintain it through the season, and that changes their offense. Everyone thinks the Rams are this aerial circus, like the greatest show on turf was in the St. Louis days, or Don Coriel chart. That's not the Rams. The Rams are based on the run first, and, and zone read option runs and stretch plays to get the defenses having to play up, and then the crossing routes and the deep outs off of it off of play action. That's the Rams, and that's what they, the Seahawks have gotten killed on that. And Gurley's the one who does it. And then, oh, by the way, Gurley will run out of the flat and catch the ball, and not just on outlet passes, but down the field on wheel routes. And that's just not the Gurley that has been this season. And Goff has suffered because of it. The numbers say it's not the same quarterback when Gurley's not the productive guy and early in the games. Goff's got six touchdowns, six interceptions, and four fumbles. He's been hit 16 times in four games. He only got hit 34 times the entire season last year. So that tells you that the run is not making defenses play honestly. And if they aren't running Gurley and aren't effective on the ground, the Seahawks are going to come after him with Clowney and Ants on Thursday night. So uh, tell me about uh, how staggeringly good Clowney looked the other day and had that pick six. Are they, they have to be jacked up about his uh, what he's bringing to them and his abilities. Yes. Scott, they can't believe that what they traded, what they didn't have to give up to get Clowney from Houston. It was basically a bag of kicking teams. A third-round pick, Texans would have gotten anyway if they let him go next year as a free agent and a comp pick. And two guys, second-tier players, one, Barcavius Mingo, that may have been getting cut because of a $4 million salary and no production. And then Jacob Martin, a second-year player, who was probably the fourth, fifth defensive end on the team. For a guy who's a three-time pro bowler, and you saw in the Arizona game how he can change games, not just sacks, but 
He's 6'5". He stuck his arm up like Spider-Man and pulled the ball down and tapped it to himself and changed a 3 nothing game into 10 nothing, and the Cardinals were done. The Clowney's value so far has been allowing guys like Quentin Jefferson, a relative unknown defensive end, to flourish inside of him. The Seahawks are using four defensive ends across. Now that Ansa's back and playing, Ansa, Clowney on the edges, Quentin Jefferson and Brendan Jackson in the middle, and Jefferson is next to Clowney, and, and offenses have to chip, double-team, or have back stay in with Clowney, and Jefferson is eating up the one-on-one blocking inside. That's the kind of unseen, overlooked value that Clowney's going to have. And Clowney was telling me today, I don't even know the guys on this defensive line. I don't know their moves. Well, check back with me when November, when I finally learn what the heck these guys can do and how they play, and I can play off of them. And he thinks they're going to be that much better just by him being more familiar not only with the scheme but his teammates. But so far, in one month, they've gotten what they needed out of Clowney. Ons is just getting back. Sunday was just his second game. He played 39 snaps the other night, uh, the other day in the Arizona Scott. If he can play 30 some snaps a game, that'll be his most since 2015. He was on the practice field running around today and not on the injury report, so he looks ready to go for the Rams on Thursday night too. But that was a huge, the potential fatal flaw to this team when they traded Frank Clark was the pass rush. Clowney and Anson made it instantly better. So how about this um, this tight end Disley that they remember yeah. he, he got injured last year, I think in his rookie year, and he was doing all kinds of great things. But now he's been catching a touchdown almost every game and having at least you know five to seven grabs. And in the red zone, he's been uh, Wilson's lover. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but I guess you're right. Six touchdowns in eight career games. Uh, he's a former defensive end scout at University of Washington. His sophomore year, he was screwing around before a practice before the heart of Dallas Bowl, and Peterson saw him catching balls and said, why don't you play some tight end? And then Peterson put some tight end plays on next year for him, and he's a tight end ever since. Now he's an NFL number one tight end right now for the Seahawks. Catches the ball away from his hands. They thought he was a great blocker. They didn't know he was going to be this great receiver. It knows the defenses and how to get open. Uh, Patellar, ruptured patellar tendon in the four weeks into last season. A lot of football guys don't come back from that injury, and he's come back in 10, 11 months. Uh, he's a force already, and it is a little weird how much Wilson trusts him after only eight games. That's how good he is. Uh, Wilson said he spends a lot of time in the off the field with him. Uh, they talk a lot, and he really is impressed on how he understands football and understands the game. Uh, but a former defensive lineman <laughs> catching these passes six touchdowns and eight games and four already this season. Uh, it's a little strange and odd. It's working for the Seahawks of how much Wilson trusts Will Bisley, number 88. Yeah, no doubt. I was in L.A. Uh, staying. I was at the Spence fight, and the Buccaneers were staying in my hotel, and we were watching how they uh, run their business and how they handle it. Like, they got all these me- – I mean, you should see it. It's crazy. You know how it works. They got 50 different meeting rooms. Oh, yeah. Uh, their their meals are all uh, catered, and they and they uh, all eat in packs. It's, it's insanity. And seeing them just constantly going up and down to these meetings all day long, there's no joking around. I mean, they get a couple hours to walk around or go eat somewhere else if they want, have breakfast somewhere else if they're not into the team meal. But – I, I was fascinated to see how they operate and then to see them go out and kick the Rams' ass uh, the way they did and, and put up those kind of numbers, whatever it was, 50 points or whatever. I, I just couldn't believe uh, we were watching, like, you know, Evans and all these guys going through the motions and dealing with all their meetings and, and how they bring them in, they, you know, 
corner them, uh, you know, basically squander everybody off. You're not allowed to go near them. They keep everybody sequestered away from them. They get the whole floor. They get all the meeting rooms. They move everybody out. You're not even allowed on the floor. It was pretty crazy seeing it. And then to see them go out and win the game, it was even crazier. Uh, you know, I, you know why they do that, Scott, with all the meetings? To keep those guys from getting to go out right. and watch lots of time. Right. <laughs> Mandatory snacks and all that kind of Right. Stuff. I mean, it's crazy. I used to uh, travel with the Steelers when I was a young guy, and it's just yeah. a, little, it's a, a little bit different now. But it's still kind of the same thing even though that doesn't make much sense but it is different now uh i remember it uh, to be a little bit different you know going back 30 years ago but uh, hey uh, greg uh, great stuff as usual uh, enjoy the game on thursday night up there will do thanks god always good to talk to you thanks man all right greg bell of the tacoma news trip covers the seahawks for us 855-212-4cbs you're listening to pharrell on the bench all right, so uh, 855-212-4CBS is the number to get on the bench. Good to have Greg Bell on and uh, Chris Hanna earlier on the Romo doc. I thought the Romo doc was pretty good, all things being equal. I'm not a big uh, fan of, uh, you know, I, I think he was a really, you know, solid quarterback. I thought he was, you know, good and everything. I, I never thought he was great. I, I thought he was good. And uh, I certainly thought, like, in, you know, his career in college was crazy that he did all that out of Eastern Illinois and made it to the NFL undrafted and made the Cowboys and then last at whatever it was, 14 years, something like that. He played in Dallas. I thought that was crazy. Uh, so he had a great career. I thought, I thought, but I thought he was a good quarterback. I mean, I thought he had nice touch. Uh, I thought he threw the ball, you know, pretty well, but I mean, at the end of the day was the, the biggest game he ever played in was that, Green Bay game at Lambeau, right? That they lost because of the Des Bryant catch. Was that not the biggest game he ever played in? Yeah, that was. I mean, the other, the only one before that, the playoff wise, right, was the one where the the snap that, the miss hold on the uh, the kick that he screwed up that they lost the game because of that. I mean, they didn't have a lot of playoff success uh, you know, when he was there, but it was crazy to see you know watching that when you see guys in the NFL, you assume that you know from the time they were five, six, seven, they're playing and you know just working at the craft. It was insane to see that. You know, the scrappy kind of underdog guy that he was in the NFL kind of is what he was his whole life. That guy just picked it up as a sophomore in high school and just kept working his ass off and somehow made it. I mean, even like you said, in the NFL, where he sat those four years behind guys like, you know, Henson, Bledsoe, Testaverde, you know, Quincy Carter. Like, they had a million other guys there. He still said, I'm going to go there. I'm going to work my ass off and compete. And somehow it worked out. He did it. He did it. And they had a cachet of quarterbacks. They didn't need him. But obviously they saw something in him, and obviously, uh, you know, at the time IMG saw something in him. Obviously Eastern Illinois saw something in him. Everyone that saw him play high school ball uh, saw something in him, and then Dallas saw something in him, and then uh, he had a great career with them. There's no denying it. And then, I mean, he's had an even bigger career post-playing, right? It's funny, he, he did it and became a star on CBS Witten did it and got just absolutely railed for his performance as a broadcaster on uh, Monday Night Football. So uh, now the big story is will he stay or go uh, from CBS and that he's this, what, free agent, right? He can go anywhere he wants? Not going anywhere. I wouldn't think he'd go anywhere. Like, uh, you know, that gig he's got, he, he does it with Nance, right? Every The biggest game of the week on CBS. How do you walk away from that? Seriously. Especially when you see these other guys like these, uh, how many times they've redone Monday Night Football. It's like a dry cleaner. I mean, honestly, they go through, it's like shirts they're going through. And then, uh, look, I got to tell you this game that I was very disturbing, this baseball game. 
Can you even believe? Uh, the thing that gets me is that Yelich, when he went down, remember, everybody said that he was finished or they were finished and that they were done. Meanwhile, you know as well as I do, they played better. They, they played even better after he went down. They just kept rolling and killing everyone. They were the best team in baseball, in my opinion, in the last month, right? And so I really I do believe that, that they were. And uh, they, they got burned in this game because they're, uh, you know, the guy that replaced Yelich in this game, obviously, was he the guy playing right field since Yelich went down, Grisham? Because he played tonight, and that uh, bottom of the eighth, Soto hits a routine liner right to right field, right? That was a routine hit. And he overran it. He ran uh, laterally, right? He overshot the ball, and it bounced to the left. It kicked left under his glove. So he kind of overran the play. And it kicked under his glove because he took one, one or two too many steps running toward the ball, and it jacked left and went under his glove. And, it, and right when it went under his glove, I'm like, <laughs> they're scoring all three runs. That's it. That ball is rolling away from him. All three runs will score, and that's it. That is incredible to me that the guy that replaced Yelich ends up costing him their season and that it really ends up killing him that Yelich wasn't there. Yelich is the difference on that team, without a doubt. He's the best player, bar none. And without him tonight, the guy that replaced him cost him the game. Did that not just happen in front of our very eyes? Uh, look, obviously, the one play in the game, the ball goes under his glove, all the runs scored. Hater can't let all those guys get on base either. Hater was awful in that spot. You know, he loaded the bases and, and gave them a chance to do that. But, yeah, it's just an unlucky play. He overran the ball, and he picks up that ball clean. It's a 3-3 game, and you go to the ninth, right. and, and who knows and what happens. And we're playing extra innings but right now. You know what? Maybe it was time, and we've been on the Nationals a ton, and it's the wild card game, and they never advance, and they never win big games, and maybe it was just their turn to finally get a little luck on their side, and they got it when the ball went underneath the guy's glove. Yeah, I, I don't think Grissom will ever – he's just going to be wrecked from this. You got to feel bad for that guy. Look at this, how it jacked under his glove. It, it literally jacked left, and he overran it. And I, I mean to tell you, that guy's never, I mean, I hate to say it, but he's never going to live it down. And I know we do this every year as well uh, after these wild card games. Do we need the full champagne celebration for the one game win? Yeah, the one game I win. Mean, and honestly, then they, and like, then they like, party like, like all night. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're playing a game in less than 48 hours. Like, all you did was you won one game. Yeah. And I know that most of it is because it's sponsored and Budweiser. They're going to do it again tomorrow. Them. Right. It's just, guys, you want a wild card They playoff. do it after every round, and I think it's ridiculous. A I whole think... series is one thing. You win a series and you move on. You want to have a little fun with the one gamer we got to do it to. You know, like in hockey, how they, they don't do that. And, oh, and no. I'll tell you, in hockey, no, no, no. they won't even touch that Well, this trophy. is all sponsored, too. This is You see it. Watch the room when they're in there. It's got the big, you know, Anheuser right, Bush line, all yeah. over the thing. They put it all in the room for the guys. What are they going to do? Stare at it and not open right. it? Well, hockey, you know? they don't do that. Oh, they don't know. No, no, no one will go near it. No, and not in any of these other sports. I mean, hockey, NBA, NFL. Each round of the playoffs, you don't see it is kind of partying silly. in the in the place after uh, every round. Is that the kid that uh, let the ball go through his legs or, or under his glove? I think it is. I believe it is. Wow, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, uh, you know what? At least he's facing the music. 
That's him, Trent Grisham. Error in the eighth allowed the winning run to score. At least he's facing the music. You got to give him credit. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Pharrell on the bench. You know, uh, I've seen this play now like 30 times, right? And the more I look at it, the more it, it looks like that ball was, you know, really spinning, right? And really kicked left. And so I, I think it's, um, I'm sure everyone's going to blame Grisham, but I think it came off the bat funny. Uh, it was like a hard spinning line drive, right? Like you saw it, Carver High, kick left. I mean, it clearly was coming in at an angle when it was spinning toward him, and he overran it and everything, but you saw it jump left. It Like right there, it jumped left on that second bounce. It was clearly spinning funky. Yeah, it was, look. Was it a tough, tough play? He's got to make the play. I know that it had a little bit of a spin to it, a little bit of a bump. Right. He's got to make the play. Got to make the play. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not letting him go. It just isn't. So he's got to live with it. He's got to live with it. It is what it is. He's got to make the play. It's tough for these guys when they play six months, and it all comes down to that. One, that's the, one, one that's the thing about the one-game playoff. But, but the mean, one game that Yelich – wasn't there the guy that fills in for him? It comes down to the right fielder. It's all too eerie for me. I mean, look, he played. He played really well over the last three weeks to help right. him get there. Right. It, it is but they're gonna forget about all that. Well, of course. I mean, that's the play you remember. All right. So talk to me about. Oh, first of all, I want to tell you about uh, FarrellOnTheBench.com. I continue to rake. All the best college football and pro picks. College last week for the second straight week, 64% winners. I hit my top five ranked plays, seven of my top eight, eight of my top ten. Boom, enough said. NFL Sunday and Monday, 71%, 10 and four in spreads. 10 and four in spreads. NFL through four weeks, 79%, 77%, 62%, and 71%. In your face. I'm the best. That's it. And we do baseball tonight. Nats, boom. Boxing Spence, boom. Hockey tomorrow, four games, boom. It's all happening daily. Pharrellonthebench.com, F-E-R-R-A-L-L. Pharrellonthebench.com, sign up today. Hide the money from your wife because you're going to be making some. Believe me, you. So anyway, I wanted to talk to you, uh, Carver High, about uh, Jonathan Jones of the uh, Patriots and this story about Belichick. He said, uh, well, first of all, McDermott said there's no room for it. And um, it's a shame to see a player like Josh or any player go down on a hit like that. I asked for an explanation. I thought he should have been thrown out. Other than that, I'm not going to get into it. It's for the league to get into. Now, as far as the league goes, uh, the guy, Al Riveron, right, he's the um, (laughs) VP of officiating. He talked about the play Sunday, and and that's uh, what everyone goes by. Belichick says that's what they go by. So we'll coach it based on what Al's guidelines are. Or commentary was on the play. Riveron obviously felt the same way as Belichick about the play because he decided not to eject Jones after watching a replay of the hit from the command center in New York. So uh, Belichick said, I think when a player, when there isn't really much you can tell them to do differently, then I think you don't tell them anything. I mean, Allen's a big runner. He's a strong guy. He's hard to tackle. He's broke several tackles against us. John turned when he hit him, he didn't lead with his head. He didn't have that posture. So uh, when you uh, describe it, uh, how do you see it? Because that's how he saw it, and that's how the league saw it. Yeah, look, uh, I thought that he got a little bit you know, more of the helmet, but like I was saying last night, uh, the kid's got to slide. 
Could he have avoided him? It's very close. I, I don't know if he could avoid have avoided him. Did it look like he was going to completely ring him up like Vontez Ber no. Perfect in the Colt game? No. Did but did he get him head to head? Uh, yeah, he did. Did you believe oh, you that know? when you were watching it as a fan? Did you believe that uh, th that many believe that Allen uh, invited the hit? Well, like uh, I had to watch it numerous times before. With his helmet down, that he that he initiated, he wanted the contact. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would say he wanted the contact because there's another Patriot defender who is dragging him down on that play and he's you know his knees are at the ground at that point i mean it wanted the contact i'm not gonna go that far no but he still has to slide what about me slide what about mika hyde said if it were me i would he's have been tossed right. if well, you hit brady like that you're tossed that was the truest statement that was said on sunday was by micah hyde because he's 100 percent right if that happens to tom brady the player's getting ejected 1000 percent true do you think that every week when that guy gets hit, that you'd be willing to bet that he gets more flags thrown against guys that hit him than anyone in the league? That he gets the Brady? most, uh, yeah, that he gets the most preferential treatment. I think we, you know, he's in that class of guys who are going to get those calls. He and Rodgers. Brady also got um, non-calls on Sunday. He had two or three balls that were one hundred percent intentional grounding. I mean, balls that were nowhere near receivers and they did not throw flags for him they only got him for one there was two or three they got, other him, ones. They got him on one intentional grounding but you think it oh, was two was or three least, others not just everybody thinks it there was two or three others that he could have absolutely been flagged for intentional grounding they did not call it he gets calls we know who gets calls in this league from the quarterback position brady gets calls breeze gets calls um you know keep going on i, I mean i know that ben takes a lot of hits when he's in there uh ben here and there they let him get lit up. They, yeah, pretty much. Because he's so big. And and Cam Newton, they let him just get they tortured. They let Cam. They definitely let I Cam. I think they let him get tortured. Cam, Cam take care. But they give, they, they give Breeze and Rodgers, if you ask Rogers me. Rodgers, too. You got to put Rodgers, Breeze, Blanche. Brady. You put those guys all in that kind of area. I'm sure Mahomes now is going to, you know, he's becoming one of the best. He'll start to get the benefits of the flag here and there. Russell Wilson here and there, too. Russell Wilson, he really is incredible. He's what, a great player. I mean, it really is incredible what he does with nothing. I mean, literally, yeah. no, he turned a he turned a defensive end into a rock star tight end. And this kid that I was talking about yeah. with Greg Bell, Disley, and I think that um, you know six Pro Bowls and a Super Bowl, and he he won one and lost one, right? And the one he lost was that terrible pass Butler picked off. I thought that they should have hammered Lynch four times. Everybody did. <laughs> but, they, you know, they thought differently. They went, he played great they in went that game. It. He played great in that game, too. Listen, you, when you throw, it's obvious now, when you throw that slant at the goal line, on, or, you know, on, on, let's say, third or fourth and one from a yard out, and that's a dangerous play in the NFL because the defense is going to play right up, stick them right on you. There's not going to be any room. You're going to have a guy on every guy literally glued to him at the line, and you throw into that kind of coverage with no room for error, not one inch for error, you're going to get burned. I think you're going to get burned and picked off. More than you'll complete that pass. I really believe that. I think there's too many hands and too much traffic in that area to get away with that. But um, think about Russell Wilson's career. I mean, this guy, he is winning with nothing, if you ask me. Now, he's had guys, Baldwin, all these guys, right? 
He's had guys. He's had receivers. He had Golden Tate, right? Didn't he have? And he's yeah. he's had a bunch of them. Now what does he do? He throws the locket. Is that a, is that about right? And this Disley. So you cannot think anything but this guy's excellent. He's just an excellent quarterback for his size. What he's done in the NFL is crazy. You wonder why they gave him 140 million? I'm not surprised at all. No, he's worth it. He's very good. Very he, good. He makes them a winner. Right. He's the kind of guy that. When he steps on the field every Sunday, right. he gives your team a chance to win. Do you think no matter uh, what the circumstances or who's injured right. or who's not playing, it doesn't or what matter. Team facing, he just plays. He gives you a chance to win every Sunday. But do you can you even believe since Carroll took that job that they're twenty six five and one in prime time and they've outscored opponents eight thirty four to four sixty five and that they're eight and one on Thursday nights and are seventeen and two in home primetime games in the last nine years. That's insanity. Yeah, I'm sure that all the teams around the league kind of have their own strategy for how they attack the Thursday night game, because it's right. obviously a much different scenario than any other work week. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Carroll and his guys there have a system that works for them when they're getting ready for a Thursday game, and they're good under the lights. I mean, especially because a lot of those games, when they're at home, like Thursday, that place is very raucous. And you're taking them Thursday? Games. Uh, I'm taking the Seahawks on Thursday. All right, Amos in uh, Tennessee, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, Ferrelio, how are you, sir? Hey, Amos. Man, it's good to hear from you. Um, so the legend of Juan Soto uh, is born, and we've been waiting for a big moment like this. And a lot of people don't know, uh, I'm a Braves fan, so I see it all the time. He goes toe-to-toe with Ronald Acuna every time they play. This guy's a terrific ball player. And um, uh, I'd like for you to leave me on so I can hear your take on this. But the, the, the University of Tennessee, week by week, gets worse and worse. Right. And it doesn't automatically – apply for on the field uh play i um i tagged you in a um tweet where a ball player was arrested for an outstanding warrant i saw uh, that story an outstanding warrant how do you not know that a player on your team's got an outstanding warrant well i mean i listen uh fair enough you you got him there that uh they didn't know that uh jeremy pruitt didn't know that uh jeremy banks uh, had a outstanding warrant on a traffic uh, citation. Who who cares? Here's the deal. The reality is, I mean, you got him there. That's too easy for me to just pin their misery uh, this season on that incident, uh, this traffic stop and the guy's arrest, and then he told the cops where I come from, we shoot cops. I mean, that's just him being stupid ass. But the bottom line is this. That has nothing to do with why the football team's not good. Okay, so let's just leave that for what it is. It's just an idiot kid making a mistake, and he tried to, you know, let it all go away and blow away in the wind. It doesn't work that way, right? You don't, you know, you got to warn out for yourself, and you think you're going to get away with it the rest of your life, never have another incident, never have another speeding ticket, never have get pulled over, never have anything, or let me check your ID. Next thing you know, they run your tags, and you're, you're going to jail. So that's just stupid. But I don't blame Jeremy Bruitt, and I don't uh, blame – the, the Vols athletic department that they didn't do some huge scandalous background check on every kid's life, every minute of their life. To me, that's stupid. What you have is a, a much real, you know, in terms of bigger problem to me that's staggering, and it is that you suck. And the bottom line is they're terrible. I don't count that stupid candy-ass game with Chattanooga either. When they play good teams, they get their ass beat, right? And now they're getting 22 this week from Georgia. Isn't the game in Knoxville? I think it is. Uh, I could be wrong. But it doesn't matter where they play that game. (laughs) 
I mean, if Georgia handles their business, which they should very well do, you cannot deny uh, that they'll, you know, put a smack on them because they're just so much better than they are. I mean, Tennessee has literally become, um, they're like the Washington Redskins, right? They become a laughing stock in the SEC. They have lost their way without a doubt. Now, I have said on repeated occasions they should not fire Pruitt. Because they've got enough problems where every single year and then every other year, every three years, they're firing the coach and going through 50 different people. Um, I, I think they have butchered the hiring uh, from the beginning. They, have, they went through 11 choices or something to that effect. And they have been uh, atrocious handling their business from the top down, from the head of the athletic department to the football, to the coaching staff, to everything. It's been a complete disaster, and that's why they suck. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.